Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! Hello and welcome to the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast. My name is Bex and I love books, which is very handy this week, particularly because I've got loads of them to tell you about. Four big books, in fact. A veritable library of books, if you will. On the way, I'll be talking to our farm in the Dales, Nicola Baker, about her brand new farming adventure. We've got Nadia Shireen to tell us about Grimwood. Jenny McLachlan, all about stink, fairy versus wizard. But first... It's Jane Marlowe and Lisa Campbell. They're telling us about How the News Works, a brand new non-fiction book all about, well, you guessed it, how the news works, how the news is put together and how you might get to become a newsreader as well. Who wants to kickstart how the idea for the book came about? Uh, Well, it came about actually during lockdowns quite a while ago now. So um, we were working on another big project for ITN. It was the 65th anniversary um, and we weren't seeing many colleagues. We were trying to kind of bring everyone together. We thought, what a great way to celebrate success by telling 65 stories across 65 years. And there were such fascinating stories from the history of ITN, from the moon landings to all kinds of, you know, brilliant stories about wildlife or so we. I was talking to some publishers thinking this would make a great book. There's so many fascinating stories there. And we were pitching a few ideas actually. And and I also happened to just start talking about my kids who were driving me slightly mad during lockdown as as everybody I'm sure <laughs> felt the same. And we all spent a lot of time with our kids during lockdown, didn't we? And, you know, mine, uh, two boys aged 12 and 14 at the time, you know, in between eating me out of house and home and using my bed as a trampoline, they were giving me lots of interesting facts uh, that they'd read on the internet. And, you know, a lot of the time they weren't true, but they were, you know, it was harmless fun. But then there were quite a few occasions where actually I realised it was quite damaging. You know, there's a lot of misinformation around COVID. They were both quite into protein shakes and they were sort of telling me, you know, how you can get these muscles overnight and whatever. So I realized actually it's so important that children have information that they can trust. And especially when it's on, you know, health issues, particularly. So, and I thought, you know, I'm not the only parent in this position. You know, I hear it from other parents that children just believe what they read on the internet. And if their friend has sent a link, well, it's 100% true, isn't it? So found it really difficult to talk to my kids to say, you know, how to find the trusted source of information, why it matters. I mean, of course, no one listens to their mum, but I thought we need to do something about this. If I'm working in a news organisation and I'm finding this difficult, then, you know, so many people must must need some, you know, some guidance here. So this is something that I, you know, discussed with a publisher. And I think because it was locked down and there was lots of misinformation around COVID, they were like, yeah, that's the kind of idea that we want to go with. So, um, yeah, so then the idea was born and um, Jane on our team took on the writing task and uh, and c- 
can talk more about the fantastic content in there. Yeah, so this is how the news works. And it tells us everything from the beginning of time, like when when news kind of started to become a thing from messengers to now and the future as well. Yeah. So so this you've, you've covered a lot of history in this book, Jane. We wanted it to be a complete overview that gives children the context of news and the idea that it doesn't, it hasn't begun and ended with social media. You know, we start off the book with a timeline about um, how news began. And there's this great drawing of a saber-toothed tiger and a caveman <laughs> standing on a cliff. And the importance that getting the news that the tiger was in town back to the community was, you know, it might have been slower the way they delivered it in those days, but it was equally as important. And that's like probably the first instance of how news is delivered. And it's just, I mean, the emphasis in terms of history is that it's just got faster and faster. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been the imperative. So, uh, yeah, so we started with history, but we didn't want to leave all the sort of the difficult subjects untackled as well. Like Lisa was saying, you know, disinformation, misinformation. What's the difference on, to that? How do you use examples to bring that to life for the audience, eight to 12 audience, that they're going to relate to and find interesting that's going to stick with them? So, yeah, we cover a lot of ground. I did enjoy Charlene pops up every now and again, little little cartoon version of her. Yeah. And there are some questions she answers in that, which, or maybe you helped answer as the writer, which I was like, yeah, I didn't know this. Like the difference, for example, between, I guess, a producer and editor or also a journalist a reporter and a correspondent because yeah. in my head they were kind of all the same thing yeah. but yeah it's good to have that described to me as well yes there are lots of I think there's lots of different terminologies that pop up that we just use thinking we know mm. what they mean and then just to have that written down as an explainer and also I think um, another feature that I think was really hopefully really useful for uh, the audience is the um, talking about citizen journalism because now as as children start to get on social media depending on their age of, of course it's very easy for somebody just to film a clip of something happening and put it online uh, for others to see and then share but yeah. without the context around that clip it can be quite misleading although you know citizen journalism is very valuable it's a really, you know, it's an embedded part of our, you know, um, journalism ecosystem now. But it's good to know we lay out the sort of the pros and cons, what to look for, when to trust it and when to be a li- little bit more inquisitive about where it's come from. You also have a quiz at the back of the book of what job you should do. Yeah, what was yours? Did you yes, do it? I did do it. Oh, I love a quiz. I was, <laughs> I was there immediately. Um, and I am obviously presenting the show I present on Fun Kids uh, and I got editor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Reading the description, I was like, yeah, that's fair enough. I Yeah, everything mm. that you described an editor, I was like, yes, I would, I would say that's the same thing. Did you guys do the quiz as well? Yep. What did you get, Lisa? I got editor too. Did you? <laughs> do you know, I don't think I did do the quiz, but what, what really intrigued me was uh, the idea of being a director. I think, you know, just getting under the skin of what the director does with all the, in, when, when the show's going to air, mm-hmm. with all those buttons in front of, uh, of them, um, making those selects of all the images. So I don't know what I'm most suited for, but I think that would be the most attractive. Because there is a really good picture in the book of the gallery. And that's, yeah. I guess, where all the video screens are. And I've seen that on TV before of like when people pretend to go behind the scenes of TV shows. But I had no idea, again, what happened. It just looked hectic. Mm. And it's a great, you know, you've, you've gone to lengths in the book to make it interesting, but also accessible. And you do, I did walk away thinking, I'd quite like to work in a newsroom, actually. I think I could do this, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's harder work than it looks, I yeah. imagine. I think it's it's great when we can take people behind the scenes in this way. And, and a gallery is a really exciting place, actually. it's There's such a buzz in there because it's, it's live television. Mm. So anything can go wrong at any time. And the anchor is sitting there 
with their headphones listening to the directions from the gallery at the same time as they're talking about a report. And it's just such a skill yeah. mm. to, to listen and speak and take in information and ask this question. And, and it's uh, it's fascinating. And, you know, I've sat in there when they've lost the link to Washington and they're, <laughs> you know, all of this scurrying behind the background and they're going to another item. And, you know, my heart was pounding when I was sitting there and, and they're all taking it in their stride yeah. and there's no nothing to see here. And, you know, but it's it's brilliant. And, and actually... We're also doing a competition on the back of the book and um, we're going to ask kids to do a, you know, a short news report. It's very accessible to everyone. They can, you know, they can draw a picture, they can do a report about their dog, they can do a radio report and uh, we'll have five winners and we'll invite them into the studios so they can see, you know, they can sit in the gallery mm. and feel that buzz there. They can sit in the presenter's chair and have a go at yeah. reading from the auto cue. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of things that we're trying to do to really bring this to life for children. That was one of the tasks in the book, actually, wasn't it? Where we, and there's a, a segment called On Assignment. And uh, in one of them, we, we wanted the readers to understand just how difficult it is. As you've got your headphones on now, maybe somebody's talking to you, <laughs> yeah. but you've got to try and, you know, talk coherently and take instructions. So we, we suggested maybe that they get a friend to call them up so they're on the phone and they try and talk and read from a book or something like that at the same time, yeah. just to give them that experience of how tricky it is to keep hold of your words. And it is just such a lovely book, guys. And we should also say the illustrations are wonderful. Um, yes, it, Terry really, has done a brilliant job, I have to say. Really brings it to life. Yes. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and yeah, absolutely loved the book so, so much. Uh, thank you so much for telling us all about it. Uh, How the News Works is out right now. Everybody can go and grab a copy wherever it is they get their, their books from. Uh, Lisa and Jane, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Big thank you to Jane and to Lisa. Next up in the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast is Jenny McLaughlin. Now, you may know her from her series Land of Raw. Well, she's got a brand new series called Stink. And this is the second book in the adventure, Fairy vs. Wizard. Let's find out more, shall we? Lovely to see you in the studio. I know. Well, I know. I just was quite excited to see what big microphones and dark rooms look like in person. And we've got plenty of them at Fun Kids, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's really cool, actually. I feel like I'm in the sort of the the heart, the heart heartbeat of Fun Kids Radio right here. But anyway, tell me about your brilliant new book. We have got the sequel to Fairy mm. versus Boy. And a lot of our listeners may know you from the Land of Raw series as well. So... This is yes. exciting because people might be like, yeah, my favourite author, she's back with a new series. Well, the second of the series. Yeah, I mean, if they like The Land of Raw, I really would urge them to give Fairy vs. Wizard or Fairy vs. Boy a go because sure. I think, you know, my books, they are full of fun and comedy. That has stayed the same and magic. And you've also been uh, recommended by some of my favourite authors, I have to say. Sam Copeland, Jack Mega Phillips, Maz Evans. Oh, oh how lovely I... of them. And they're some of my favourite authors too. Aren't they lovely people? It's handy, isn't it? <laughs> and when I saw it that, is. I was like, oh, I'm going to like this book. Um, so tell us, where do we meet Danny in Fairy vs. Wizard from the last book? Well, he is very happy because he has finally managed to get rid of a fairy who he accidentally released from Fairyland, who sort of ruined his life. And he's finally sent her back to Fairyland. But unfortunately she comes back and she gets him into a lot of trouble because she also brings some tiny foxes with him who, mm. <laughs> whenever I describe the plots to my books, I always hope people are keeping up, who get inside his clothes and make him do a very silly dance in front of his entire school. And this dance goes viral and he then has to try and get his social status back and Stink helps him 
in a bad way. <laughs> oh my goodness, there's so much going on here. So yeah, Danny yeah, no, uh, gets some picket. Let's let's think about this. We've got to talk about the dance because Disco yeah. Danny is uh, <laughs> poor poor old Danny. He's on the edge of being cool. I know. And then the teacher calls him up uh, to basically call him out on how great his uniform is, which isn't ideal for any kid. No, because... no. And I mean, this is a, my basic. My books are me channeling all the things I found stressful at school. So right. I would, I was somebody who would have been called up to demonstrate excellent uniform, and would have then been very embarrassed about it. Yeah. And I like putting my worst nightmares into my books and then showing children that it's okay. So my worst nightmare would have been dancing, you know, in front yeah. of everybody. I mean, yeah, me too. It still is for me, to be honest. It's not my, not my favourite thing to do. No. Um, so in the book, you've got Danny, you've got his little sister, you've got his best friend. They all know about the fairy, but nobody else does. No, because Stink has told them that if a grown-up sees her, she turns into poisonous gloop. <laughs> we don't know if this is true, but it keeps keeps her a secret. And Stink has come back to try and get 100 gold nuggets. Yeah, she's a very... Mater- I mean, what I wanted to do, because I know fairies have got a, quite a specific place in people's minds. They mm-hmm. often think sparkly, lovely, kind, gentle, work with flowers and animals. But Stink doesn't do these things. I really wanted to write about a different type of fairy in Stink is very materialistic. She's only in the human world, as she calls it, to earn golden nuggets. So this time she wants a new wand. So she really needs to earn 100 nuggets so she can get a really amazing wand and do tricks. So that's why she's hanging around with Danny. He has got to help her do a good deed. Yeah, so she's trying to think out of a good deed and he's trying to, well, kind of manage her but also stay cool yeah, at school because he started yeah. secondary school. And uh, he's also got a brand new teacher as well. Yes, Miss Nicholl. He was named after my cousin. Oh, really? Who was Mrs. Nicholl. Yeah, I even gave her boyfriend the same name. It's great. Oh, Scott. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. Scott's and- real. <laughs> Do they know? <laughs> no. Well, no, Scott doesn't know. No, I haven't told Scott. Sarah knows. Uh, she knows that I've put her in her book, but I even used her picture, so she does look... And she is a chemistry teacher. Oh, wow. And are they both into LARPing in real life? No. Oh, okay. Because in the book, we've got a teacher who is great at um, kind of... Well, I, I forget how to describe LARPing. It's kind of like... Yeah, it fascinates and... me. It's a way for grown-ups just to keep playing, isn't yeah. it? It's you you go into the woods. I think it's generally in the woods. It might not be, but you you act out fantasy scenarios yes. and often there are battles and you adopt people adopt characters and have amazing costumes. I love looking at the costumes online. So this is what Danny's teacher likes to do in her free time. And, and she is making a play that will kind of get everybody slightly on her level, I guess, making yeah, a play about wizards. Yeah. She well, well, I used to be a teacher and a lot of what I did as a teacher was thinking of ways I could basically do fun stuff I enjoyed doing, <laughs> which is exactly what she does as well. So, you know, I might think to myself, oh, I remember when one thing I used to love doing was I'd tell the class we were going to design a new chocolate and give it a name and market it. And this culminated in this, the children all bringing in chocolates they'd made and oh, I would eat them. That's, I mean, that's smart. What, <laughs> I please, mean, please tell me, what lesson were you teaching here? What was English. The, oh, English? <laughs> yeah, it was the marketing. They'd make an advert, they'd do an advert, okay. they'd sell the chocolate, they'd think of great adjectives to describe chocolate. It was all legitimate. <laughs> it was all, could all be explained away. All those parents were like, why? Why yeah, is she letting you take chocolate? Okay, Again? Fine. <laughs> yeah, it's the third week in a row. We can't, we can't keep giving you dairy milk. Now, so tell me, we've, the wizard in the story, of course, is the baddie. Mm. Tell me about this villain. Uh, Rufus Nobid, the wizard. I find wizards funny. I don't know. Is it just me? And 
What happens is stink. One of the fun things about writing these books is there is a fairy door attached to Danny's bedroom wall Mm -hmm. and stink can go inside in through this fairy door and then bring anything she likes out because she's the ability to shrink things and then make them grow bigger so i can think what would i love to come into danny's life to make fun situations and stink can go and get it basically Mm -hmm. so in the previous book i think she got a troll and in this book she gets a wizard and she used to be best friends with this wizard they went to school together and um he was lovely and very kind and sweet But what Stink doesn't know is since she last saw him when they were both about six years old in fairy years, (laughs) he's become an evil wizard. So she brings him back into Danny's life and accidentally releases an evil wizard in the real world who then gets a job at Danny's school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully we'll see you again for the third book. Uh, Jenny, thank you so much for telling us all about fairy versus wizard. I imagine we can get it in all bookshops and libraries and everywhere online. Yeah. Everywhere. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for telling me. Thank you very much for having me. So from one stink to another, next up we're going to talk to Nadia Shireen. Uh, Her brand new book, Grimwood, Attack of the Stink Monster, is the third book in the Grimwood series. And I have made it my book of the month for February. I absolutely love this series so much. It's so funny and it's really amusing. And I do love the characters that she's created. Not to say, by the way, that the rest of the books this month aren't also equally awesome. It was a very tough pick this month. Anyway, let's go and find out what Nadia has to say about Grimwood. I am so happy to have you because I'm such a big fan of you and I don't think I've interviewed you before for Fun Kids. No, I haven't. This is, I'm, I'm very excited. My first time on Fun Kids, as far as I know. Yes, well, welcome mm-hmm. aboard. Um, Thank you. We, we finally snagged you. Um, and you're here to tell us all about the, I believe, the third book in the Grimwood series coming out on paperback. Is that right? Yes, that is right. So it's the third Grimwood book, as you said, and it's called Attack of the Stink Monster, which I thought sounded kind of dramatic. It really does. Um, I love the Grimwood series. I have to say I'm a big fan of Ted and Nancy. But if our listeners haven't managed to catch the books previously, where do we find our characters? And also, what are our characters? Well, yeah, that's a key question. So (laughs) our character, the main character, so Ted and Nancy, who you mentioned, if you go to Grimwood book one, which is just called Grimwood, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's the one with the yellow cover. So that's where we first meet Ted and Nancy. And they are foxes. But they are foxes who are, they are urban foxes. So you know how we have, you know, you see foxes wandering around the streets and maybe under your shed or rifling around in bins because Mm -hmm. as we humans have kind of built more roads and houses, we've kind of slightly moved into the areas where foxes would normally. Also, we have loads of leftover food. So foxes have now learned to live in our human cities, right? So Grimwood starts with Ted and Nancy who live in a big city. It could be London or Manchester or Birmingham or New York. I don't really name the city. And then for complicated reasons involving Ted eating what he thinks is a hot dog, they have to run away. So someone says, go to the countryside. You'll be safe in the countryside because some baddies want to get them. And um, the thing is, when, when I was a kid, I grew up kind of near the countryside and foxes are also woodland creatures. So you'd think that these foxes would know what they're doing, but they're urban foxes. They're used to living in a city. So when they get to Grimwood, which is the, the countryside, they're like, hang on, where are the fried chicken shops? Like, where do we charge our mobile phones? They're really confused by the countryside. And they think Ted, who's the little brother, 
he he's really excited. Nancy's the big sister. She's quite tough. And she thinks Grimwood's full of crazy animals. And she'd be right. She's, um, she's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's right. Ted's really excited to meet the locals. And they think, oh, countryside animals, they'll be really gentle and fluffy. They'll be like, don't know if you're familiar with The Wind in the Willows or Winnie the Pooh mm. or those books. Mm-hmm. And those books, they always describe the countryside and countryside animals as, you know, they're very lovely and cozy and all the rest of it. Grimwood is not like that. All the animals in Grimwood are a little bit bananas, it's safe to say. So so we follow Ted and Nancy through their journey to Grimwood and meeting all the interesting characters who live in Grimwood. Now, you mentioned you've got lots of different characters. I quite like, is it Eric Dynamite, the little kind of yeah. guy who kind of slightly just adds in his own comments every now and again? But who's your favourite? to maybe read or write about? Honestly, it's impossible for me to pick a favourite because they all have different personalities and I really enjoy... I mean, so Eric Dynamite, who you mentioned, he's actually a woodlouse and he narrates the books. And the reason I put him in is because Grimwood is quite weird. Like, there are lots of jokes, there are lots of drawings. It's also, like, sometimes it just makes no sense. I just start writing, like, really out there stuff. And I thought, "Mm, every now and then, like, readers might get confused. So Eric Dynamite pops in to go, hey, readers, this is strange, isn't it? How are you doing? <laughs> so I like writing him. Ted's best friend is a bunny tall willow, like a hyperactive bunny tall willow. And um, she's really cute. But if anyone calls her cute, she gets angry and karate chops them. So I like writing her. I love writing a character called Sharon the Party Crow, who... <laughs> Loads of mums and dads seem to be really into Sharon the Party Crow as well. She is like, as the name suggests, she's obsessed with partying and that's all she does. And she's got a catchphrase, which is a wooga, a wooga. And she (laughs) DJs and like, she's just always partying. It's quite exhausting. So she's fun to write. I mean, quite aspirational though. Always partying, yeah. always on the go. Love always. It. She never stops. Big fan. I've got to say as well, like you really succeed in making the books funny. I think it's really hard to make a genuinely laugh out loud funny book. Was that something you were dead set on when you wrote it? Were you like, this is going to be a funny, funny series? Yeah. I mean, I think I just, luckily, that's kind of like, I naturally enjoy making stuff that makes me laugh. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's just what I'm suited I think other books, you know, I'll read other books that are just so emotional and about really heavy subjects and I'm full of admiration and I think they're fantastic books. I just don't think, I haven't really got it in me to write that kind of book. (laughs) This is just like naturally how I write. I think sometimes, especially with young readers, people don't realise how funny we all are regardless of your age. So sometimes you'll watch a TV show or read something that's designed for children and it just really talks down and it's not funny. And and I think if something doesn't make me laugh, why should it make anyone else laugh? It doesn't matter how old they are, whether they're six or 60, like the same things make us all laugh. So I know, I mean, that's really great to hear that you think they're funny. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely are. Um, Now, just in case people are thinking, oh my goodness, what happens in this book? We've Mm. got, as as you say in the title, a, a big stinky monster. Yep. There's a big stink monster who has taken over Grimwood and is causing chaos. And um, Willow, Ted and Nancy and and the rest of the gang, they take it upon themselves to become, well, especially Willow. She wants to become a monster hunter. Don't we all? Yeah, and and track down this monster and see what it wants with um, 
with Grimwood. Now, I'm not going to give too much away, but can mm. we just um, can I just say, uh, will we expect more from the gang? Are you, do you have more up your sleeve? 100%. Yeah, we've definitely got more Grimwood books coming. There are just too many funny characters and too many scenarios to get them into. So, yep, uh, I'm just finishing working on Grimwood 4, so that will be out soon. And... Need to start thinking up ideas for Grimwood 5, I guess. <laughs> now, before I let you go, Nadia, we do a little quick fire round of questions with Ooh. every author who comes to Fun Kids. Is that okay to do it with you now? Amazing. I'm excited. Yep. All right. No pressure. There's no right or wrong answers apart from the last question, so don't stress. Okay. Um, okay. First up, books or Kindles? Books. Everybody says it. Uh, heroes or villains? Villains. <laughs> Film adaptation or TV adaptation? Oh, TV. Ted or Nancy? I refuse to answer. Yeah, that's fair. I just thought I'd test you. I don't ask everybody that question. That, that was just for you. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> that would be weird, wouldn't it? Beginnings or endings? Beginnings. Hogwarts or Narnia? Narnia? Okay. A questionable Narnia, but we'll take it. <laughs> a laptop or write by hand? A laptop, but then I draw by hand. So can I have both? You can, you can. I, you know what? I wondered what you'd say because I know obviously you illustrate as well as, <laughs> yeah. as, well as right. Do you work and write nine to five or do you do it whenever you fancy? I do it all the time. All Yeah, just 24 hours a day. I, do, I never sleep. Do you prefer illustrating or writing? I get bored of one and I think, oh, I hate writing so much. And then I do some <laughs> illustrating and then I go, oh, illustrating is so awful. I wish I could write again. And I just flip flop between the two. I love it. You have the best of both worlds. Yeah, and the worst. Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? I'm going to say Winnie the Pooh, but that's only because I don't like marmalade. You know what? Somebody did say recently that question boils down to marmalade or honey. It does, basically. <laughs> I like honey, so I'll say Winnie the Pooh, but no offence, Paddington. Like, I love you too. Okay, I'll let him know when he gets in touch. And uh, finally, the last one. This is the big one. Salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Oh, salt and vinegar. That's really yes! easy. Yeah, Correct. I don't I don't eat cheese or cheese flavoured items. So it was always going to be salt and vinegar. Always. Food. I mean that's a really easy one. Yeah. Thank well you'd you'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean <laughs> That's my answer, and that is Who the correct says answer, in my opinion. Cheese and onion. Don't get me started, Nadia, because those people, I, I'm very close to terminating the interview when somebody yeah. says cheese and onion is the correct. answer. Correct. Yeah, I and think you should just slam. It. Yeah, just go, okay, interview's over. Yeah, laptop Sorry. over, closed. Yeah. Honestly, you'd be surprised. But you, you got the correct answer, so I can actually Yay. tell everybody that Grimwood Attack of the Stink Monster is going to be out. Uh, well, it's out already, but it's out in paperback very soon. Yeah. And uh, there's more on the way. Nadia, thank you so much for telling us all about it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Big thank you to Nadia. Now, finally, we've got a chat with Nicola Baker. You might know her from the TV show Our Farm in the Dales. She's got a brand new series out, and this is the first book in it. It's called A Whistledown Farm Adventure, Finding Hope. And it's all about a lovely girl who goes off into the countryside and finds a brand new baby lamb. Where in the world do we find you right now? Are you near a farm? (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm currently on our, we have a small holding that we have with sort of sheep and chickens. Um, so that's where I am at the moment. And then we have a family sheep farm up in the Durham Hills. Ah, I know Durham very well. I'm, I went to university in Durham and I'm, fr- I'm actually in the northeast as we speak. So oh, Wow, it's a lovely part of the world, lovely part of the world. It absolutely is. Now, the thing is, I live in the countryside, but I'm not very good at uh, farming and knowing about animals and uh, my friends all are so actually reading your book it felt like I was learning myself actually oh did it okay. yeah. 
Well, hopefully, if you can take something away from it, then that's great, isn't it? The book is Finding Hope, a whistledown farm adventure. And uh, in it, we've got Ava, who is a bit of a city kid, but moves to the countryside. Yes, that's right. Her parents go uh, abroad for work and she goes to stay with her Aunt Kitty, Uncle John and Cousin Tom at Whistledown Farm. And it's a very busy time of year because it's the Easter holiday, so everybody's lambing. So Ava's got to get stuck in, even though she's not used to animals and the countryside. Yeah, if there's one thing I know about my friends up here is that lambing is an important time of the year. It's all hands on deck, right? Yes, definitely. It's all hands on deck at lambing time. It's a really lovely time of year, but a really busy one. Absolutely. And uh, Cousin Tom is not happy about Ava's um, arrival. No, things don't go smoothly um, with Tom when Ava first arrives. So yes, Ava has to sort of navigate um, Tom's feelings about her there as well. So it's not all straightforward. Ava's a bit like a duck out of water with her cousin Tom and on the farm. She's got to learn a lot of things and fit in somehow. Yeah, because um, I don't want to give too much away, but there are there is a one or two incidents where she does kind of reveal just how green she is to that world, so to speak. Oh yes, definitely. And you know, I think that's what life's about, isn't it? Sort of you you put yourself in different situations, and you have to sort of learn um, how to cope with those situations. And so that's something that Ava definitely has to do on the farm: is learn how to fit in and to farm. And of course, the the title Finding Hope, of course, is about finding hope kind of like generally, but also um, about a lovely little lamb that Ava adopts as well. Yes, Ava's out checking the fields and she finds a little lamb on its own and Ava just wants to help it. So she picks it up and takes it back to the farmhouse. And, and a lot of Finding Hope stories about their relationship between Ava and the lamb. The best of both worlds then, basically. <laughs> Um, did you kind of learn any new facts about farming when you were doing this? Because obviously you probably know quite a lot about the countryside already, but did you do, do some research and think, oh, I didn't know this thing or I didn't know about that animal? Do you know what? I actually knew quite a lot for, for this one. So there's four books in the series. So Finding Hope is the first one and that one's set in spring. Um, so that one, you know, all about lambing and a time of spring. I knew quite a lot about sort of that time of year and, and the lambing situation. But the next book uh, is out in autumn um, in September and I that's a lot more sort of um, like there's pumpkins and sort of village shows and things like that in it. So I did a lot more research for that and I learned a lot from book two. Oh, I love this. I was going to ask actually if it, I assumed from the title A Whistledown Farm Adventure there would be a series. So I guess for one for each season. Yes, there'll be one for each season. So there's spring and autumn this year and then next year there'll be summer and winter. So that's a lot of fun writing about the seasons because that's one thing I love is the seasons and when they change and they turn, I just think the seasons are brilliant and to be able to base four books within those seasons is great. And you must really love the characters as well. If you want to write four books worth about them, you must love Ava and Tom and, and the family. Yes, I do. I think that's the thing when you start writing and you, you get to know your characters and they almost become like real people in your head almost. So you know, I could probably write, you know, 20, 30 books about Ava, Tom, Aunt Kitty and Uncle John. You know, there's just there's just so much there. And I do really like the characters a lot. I have to say uh, your Uncle John character reminded me of my actual friend's dad called John, who is a farmer. I was like, is this? <laughs> Is this John from down the road? It was so funny. I was like, I think I've met this farmer. There's nobody real in it. So. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll double check with him. But yeah, John the farmer with the blue overalls. I was like, that is exactly, I've just seen him walking down the lane. How funny. <laughs> it looked It looked so similar. Yeah. So Ava is, is just such a lovely character and, you know, is learning as she goes. And it's nice as a reader because I was, like I said, I was learning stuff as well. Were you quite aware that some people might not know as much uh, as you might do about the countryside and about farming? Yeah, and that's what I hope is that, you know, children will read this book. Some of them will be from um, rural areas where they'll know about this sort of stuff. And then others, you know, they won't have that 
exposure and experience of animals and farming in the countryside. So hopefully, sort of, you know, they'll all get something from the book. And if they can learn something, then then that's brilliant. I have to ask Nicola. Now, you might um, say no to this because you're a professional. I just wondered, have you ever had any farming catastrophes? Has anything ever kind of like gone a bit wrong for you? Or has it all been plain sailing? I think it's never plain sailing out on the farm. <laughs> There's always something. There's lots of slipping in mud. You know, it gets very muddy in the winter and your wellies get stuck in the mud and then oh, yeah. you, you sort of keep walking forward and you've lost your welly. It's it's a couple of feet behind you stuck in the mud. So you get a very <laughs> muddy sock. So that happens a lot on the farm. Yeah, you need some sturdy wellies, don't you? We do, um, yes. <laughs> now, before I let you go, um, we have something uh, called our quick fire round of questions for our authors. So I'll do that with you now. And the first one is super easy, uh, books or Kindles? Oh, books. Unless I go on holiday, then a Kindle's great because you can take loads of books in one go. That is that, that is the best answer, yeah. Uh, heroes or villains? Oh, my initial reaction was heroes, but I do like a good villain. Oh, gosh. Actually, I'm going to go villain. Yeah, why not? Why not? Film adaptation or TV adaptation? Oh, gosh, that's impossible to choose from. (laughs) (laughs) Can I not have both? I I like all of them. Anything that's adapted is just brilliant. And I I love to see what they do with it. So, yeah, I'm going to say both. I'm going to have both. All right, we'll give you a Netflix deal and a Warner Brothers deal and you can, you know. (laughs) Um, Chickens or sheep? I am going to say chickens because I like to talk to my chickens and they do talk back. So I'm going to choose chickens purely for that reason. For the communication. That's fair enough. Beginnings or endings? Beginnings. They're always so exciting. Hogwarts or Narnia? Hogwarts. Do you use a laptop or do you write by hand? Oh, both. All my notes are in hand. So everything, everything. I, I love a fountain pen and I love stationery and everything. So I always have, whenever I write a new book, I always have a new ink um, that I put in my fountain pen. So all my notes are, are handwritten and then I will write uh, the actual book on a laptop. Oh, I love a fountain pen. I love the feel of a fountain pen. Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? Paddington Bear. Finally, the big one, salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Oh, definitely salt and vinegar. That's yes. the easiest question you've asked me. No way. No no cheese and onion, definitely salt and vinegar. That's the only one I care about, Nicola. That's the only answer. And you, you could say anything for anything else. That's the only one that I'm bothered about. That's the only one got... I'm really certain on. Yeah, great. I mean, that makes it even more easy for me to to say congratulations. You got the answer right. Um, it's my favourite <laughs> crisps. It's just, it's just uh, the ultimate test, to be honest. That was wicked. Well, thank you so much for telling us all about Finding Hope and um, looking forward to the next three books in the series as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for today. There we go. Four brilliant books for you. How the News Works, Stink Fairy vs. Wizard, Grimwood Attack of the Stink Monster and a Whistledown Farm Adventure. Lots of books and something for everyone, I would say. Remember, if you've enjoyed this podcast, like, subscribe, follow, tell all of your friends about it. And of course, comment wherever it is you're listening to about what you're reading right now. We love to know. In the meantime, have an amazing week. See you soon. Bye. Hello, everyone. I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading!